Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and this is 70mm, a podcast for film lovers just like you. Every Monday, I chat about recently watched movies with my close friend and artist, Danny Haas. Uh, no. I mean, when a publication that no one's ever heard of puts a movie that no one's ever heard of at number one, um, I was never going to give it a second thought. And my close friend and movie insider, Protolexis. Jean Dillman, 23, Quad de Commerce, 1080, Brazil. Every month we have a new theme that guides our featured presentation for that episode. And this time around, we're continuing with 70s Month. And my pick, the winner of the recent Sight and Sound poll for greatest film of all time, Jean Dielman from 1975. Was this depiction of a widowed housewife a revelation? Or did it put us to sleep? Let's find out right now. movies of all time we mentioned it last week in our discord mckenzie from the austin danger podcast that hit podcast is putting together a poll sight and sound put our movie this week sean dealman at the top the greatest movie ever made mckenzie says let's take it up a notch top 100 films of all time according to the vhs village so i have never put a list like this together no. But I did. Pri- I have a private letterbox list. I'm not going to share it just yet. Mine's private. Mine's private. Was yours private? It's totally private. <laughs> <laughs> we need a, a, can we get a five-hour energy I'm DoorDash fine. delivery to Proto? So this is a lot of work. I mean, how many times have you sat down to say, what are the top best films ever made? I've never done it before this moment. So we're going to cycle through, give maybe a few of our picks from our own private lists. Uh, there was some consternation in Discord this week that Danny's list was just going to be Steven Spielberg movies. Are oh. you ready to put the kibosh on those rumors, Danny, and reveal one of your let picks? Me, <clears throat> let me count how many Spielbergs are in my top ten. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize there was that many. <laughs> let's hear. Let's hear one of those ten. What do you think is one of the best movies ever made? Uh, the greatest. <laughs> this film made my list because A, it's so fresh in my brain and B, because I loved it so much. Uh, Singing in the Rain <gasps> made my top 10 of oh. all time. It's a movie I've thought about multiple times since I've watched it recently for the first time. And also it's like, I want to revisit it so bad. Um, and I feel like a movie that sinks its teeth that well into me. Um, I know from here on out, it's going to be a movie that I will consider one of the bests. I had this in my top 15. I had, oh, I had singing in the it rain didn't make top, top 10 for you. No, it didn't make top 10. Ooh. Ooh. Remember when seeing in the rain lost the vote? I know. Lost the vote, the VHS. What did we do instead? I can't even tell you what we did instead. Nobody remembers. Nobody remembers. It's probably our most popular episode of the year, but nobody remembers. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Prado, what's one of your choices for the best films of all time? Uh, one of my choices, a movie we covered on the show, I think at the time I said this might be one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. There were oh tears gosh. on this episode. <laughs> Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh my God. I mean, we're talking about beautiful 4K yeah. uh, picture. We're talking yes. about epic story. We're talking about um, what's his face? Who's that actor? Peter O'Toole being a, a weirdo in the desert, <laughs> man. Had everything. <sighs> For those Alec li- Guinness. Alec Guinness. Oof. Oh, my God. I mean, wow. The brown face alone. Seriously. Um, for those listening right now, yes, Proto has a lozenge in his mouth. Proto has had a hard week. Okay. You can you're probably hearing it in your headphones. What's that noise? Slapping Rat- around. Rattling around in my headphones. We're not editing it out. <laughs> Listen, it's done. All right. I just I just Did swallowed swallow the last it? piece. I just swallowed my the last gosh. piece. Oh my goodness. It's over. Uh it's dangerous. Of, yeah, you gotta be careful what you swallow. One of my picks <laughs> for the best films ever made is a movie that we covered for a bonus episode. Well, not bonus oh. episode, just a supporter-only episode. Remember when we did that tier where people could choose the movies we did? Oh. I was surprised. You know, speaking of which, we did a mailbag episode just for supporters. I'm surprised that question didn't come up. Like, when are you no bringing back that, that tier? Again. Nobody wants it, I guess. <laughs> Thank God. That settles it. We're not doing it if nobody yeah, asks about it. Uh, this is currently number three on the letterbox Top 250. 1962, Harakiri. Oh, good oh my God. I, that's, in my opinion, one of the best movies ever made. Top Great 10. Pick. Easy. Mm-hmm. 4.6. Masaki Kobayashi. My gosh, that's so high. 4.6. Yeah. Number three. It's number three on the list. Whew. Um, behind Parasite and movie I still haven't seen, Come and See. Um, so that's that's just a taste of one of the movies in my top 10. Mm-hmm. Danny, what's another taste of yours? Another taste of my top 10. Uh, one that you just said, Parasite. <gasps> wow. I put Parasite in my top 10. That movie what? felt like a moment. And I remember just loving that film. And I think wow. it deserves to be top 10 all time. I don't even know how to respond to that. It's, I was, I'm Is it in your right top now. 15? Uh, it wasn't in my top 15. Maybe my top 15 is wrong. I haven't submitted this yet. <laughs> yeah. so just, if you're curious, you want to submit, you want to become part of this VHS Village Top 100. You have to join the Patreon, join the Discord, and uh, you can find out the info ASAP. But, I have man, to revisit Parasite. I haven't seen it since the theater. Maybe we should do a Parasite up. Oh, oh baby. Can you oh. imagine Danny Parasite art? <sighs> Proto's shoes just flew across the room. <laughs> the lozenges <laughs> came back up. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I, I feel like Parasite belongs there. At least yeah. top 10. I don't know if it's mm. the best, but it deserves it in my opinion. Mm. Good call. Good call. I mean, I'm not going to argue. This is, you know, this is all our own. I would never argue with you, Slim. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Proto, what's another movie from your top 10 best films of all time? Um, how about this one mm. from the master himself? Oh, John Carpenter's the thing. Yo, oh, okay. 
Talk about a movie. Yeah. <laughs> talk about a that, real movie. That ending. <sighs> you talk about a God. movie. My favorite part about that little teaser you did, The Master, I was thinking of five different directors <laughs> that we've called The Master at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it going to be? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah, great movie. Did I rewatch that recently? No. Yeah, we covered it for a podcast. <laughs> Didn't you just say you weren't going to argue with me? You'd never argue with answering me. Answering your question Didn't you for you. Did just say that? <laughs> Criminy. Let me look at my list one more time. I've only given one, so I have two more choices. You got to give two more now. This one might shock people. It won't. <laughs> 2017. Oh, that's Just new. because you're invited doesn't mean you're welcome. From the master of horror himself, Jordan Peele, get out. Oh, what? get yes. out. Okay. Yes. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Great bro? choice. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. Dang. It's number It's uh, number 188 on the Letterbox Top 250. Mm. What if, I mean, we, we, te- we talked about doing a Jordan Peele month. We almost did that for Halloween, didn't we? Wasn't that one of the options? He's got just enough movies to do a month. <sighs> Three-week month, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if? <laughs> what if? Danny, you're up again. Up again. Um, I'm picking another one. Uh, that's I'm not going to say one of my Spielberg ones. You guys can guess my Spielberg movies. Uh, this is one we covered on the podcast. Um, and a one that kind of it gripped my life for like a month, maybe two months straight after watching uh-huh. it. Uh, the Godfather. Oh. <clears throat> the Godfather uh, is something that I feel like is something special that was made and it's an incredible film. And I I spiraled into making ofs and watching you know, the new TV show, The Offer, and learning everything I can about how this film was made Coppola's process, the actors. I mean, this movie gripped me this year watching it for the first time. Wow. So I, I'm putting it on my top 10 for sure. My gosh. Part of your thoughts on that being in the top 10 best films of all time. <sighs> I, that's a, I mean, that's up there with a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. I think 50% of the male population has that as like their number one <laughs> yeah. movie. Their personalities are built around The Godfather. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Speaking yeah. of which, what if we did a Scarface episode? I when thought last, you hate that movie. No, I don't have I don't have opinions have, either way. You have you you have I don't have a poster. Have, I do not. You have a Scarface. Oh I bet you there's twenty percent of our audience listening right now has has had a Scarface poster in, at some point in their life. Is Omega watching that? Kidding me? <laughs> I mean, Brian De Palma with Al Pacino. That could be the most diabolical <laughs> mix for me of all time. <laughs> Proto would retire from podcasting after that episode, I think. Proto, one more? One more. Uh, you know, there was some talk this week in the Discord about uh, everyone was giving their top 10 Ghibli Studio oh. movies. So uh, here's my number one. The Wind Rises. Wow. That's in my top 10. Um, absolute banger. Absolute banger. I... Uh, I love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, just amazing animation. I think it's like Ghibli at the the top of their game. Um, but just then the also the story, you know. Of course, I love Ghibli for like the fantasy aspect, but this is all set in 
you know, historical uh, Japan. So it's 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 different. It's a different vibe. But man, I was just I was blown away by the the, the story in that. Yeah, I liked that movie when it came out. What was your oh, number one wow. Ghibli? Didn't you just post a list and it was like every Ghibli movie or something? I posted like 10. There's no way I could. I mean, my number one is Nausicaa. I watched the, oh I think that's God. my go-to. My dude. They're all incredible. Did you see this new movie Hayao Miyazaki is having out in 2023? How do you Very live? Excited. You heard about this? Mm-hmm. A lot of buzz. Some kind of bird on the, the poster. The movie insider let me know about it. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that IG post. I'll tell you that much. It's on his OnlyFans. <laughs> pay up <laughs> just spit up on myself laughing at that. Uh, let me go back to my list one more pick from my list 2006 uh oh a director I've, I've said previously that I would follow directly into the sun if I had to burn me alive holy cow to follow in his footsteps children of men that's on Alfonso your top ten. Alfonso Cuaron. Huh. Yes. Top ten of all time. Top ten movies <laughs> ever made. Oh. Five bang. Goodness. That's an instant five bang. I will five bang that movie until the day I die. <laughs> Great pick. That got man. That gets so much love on Letterboxd. People rabid for it. For They're rabid. They're yeah. rabid for it. Clive Owen never worked again. I'm not sure if that's true. He did a lot of BMW commercials. Yo, BMW films slapped. Man, Clive has been in a lot of junk. I'm looking <laughs> at his filmography here. Let's but he's been look. in Children of Men, and he's that's really all that matters. Ezra says Children of Men needs a criterion. That's I agree. Very much so. Every week, we give out a free year of Letterboxd Pro. You share the show on social media, tag a review, you get entered to win. Disclaimer, I'm a letterbox employee. And that gets rid of ads, gets ex, uh, extensive year-end stats. This one comes from Bobby Walnut, who uh, last me. week said, just because we're recording this in advance, can't wait for the 70MM pod doubleheader tonight. Definitely number one podcast in my orbit this last year. My gosh. Bobby Walnut, thank you. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Bobby. Congratulations. So, Jean Dielman is our movie this week, and I we talked about how this was... At, you know, it got buzzed like the last month or two because it was put up at the top of this critics poll, a sight and sound poll that's done every 10 years. And I think it's been in the top 10 or somewhere near the top 10, slowly moving up. So um, maybe we can go through that list real quick. Um, oh. We're only 15 minutes in this episode. So Danny had mentioned Singing in the Rain. That's number 10 on this year's list from the critics hold on, list. Hold on. I got to pull it up. You're just going to watch Singing in the Rain right now as we record? Yeah, I'm going to pull up the movie. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> Enough. Some, let me look at the lists. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, number nine is a movie, to be perfectly frank, I've not heard of. Man with a movie camera. I got to punch this in a letterbox. Is that the one where the, his face is the camera? A cameraman wanders around Moscow, Kiev, and Odessa with a camera slung over his shoulder, documenting urban life with dazzling invention. This list is interesting to me. You know, I'm not saying that the letterbox top 250 is like the end all be all, but some of these are like aren't even really barely even in it. Like this one is not in the letterbox top 250. Um, Jean Dielman, I think, is like in the two, maybe in the low 200s. Mm. So it's fascinating to see like how critics and and filmmakers because there's like a separate poll. There's a critics poll. There's a director's poll where they give their best films of all time. So the director's poll, 2001: A Space Odyssey, won. 
as the oh, best movie ever made. I will say another one of my top 10 is in the sight and sound top 10. Be that as it may. Number eight is Mulholland Drive. David Lynch from the critics poll. Wild. Okay. <clears throat> I've never seen Tokyo Story. Have you seen Tokyo Story? No, I have not. Uh-huh. In the Mood for Love, also in the critics poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beau Travail from Claire Denis. What a poster. 2001, also in the critics poll. And the top three for the site and center critics is Citizen Kane, Vertigo, and Jean Dielman. Vertigo. Vertigo is interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that given the rest of this list. I don't know that I would put Vertigo above Rear Window for Hitchcock. Mm. Yeah, is Vertigo like the considered his best? In, no, in not over Psycho. Hmm. So they pulled, um, I thought I had the number. I feel like it was several thousand. Oh, 1,600 participating critics, programmers, curators, archivists, and academics. And... Jean Dielman had 215 of those votes, so 13%. So if that puts it into perspective. Rear Window, remember when he had that like full body cast? Oh. What's going on when he goes number two in that cast? He had it over his butt. (laughs) It was over his eight cheeks. It was over his eight cheeks. I think it was over his front cheeks. So I a lot of of questions (laughs) I had when watching that movie. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but grace kelly in that movie oh my god have mercy was it this podcast that i had mentioned that grace kelly i I get grace kelly vibes from brie larson sometimes what yeah Mm. that can't be i think so you've never said i mean grace is still number one in my book so in the director's poll there is also in the mood for love persona makes the list Mm -hmm. vertigo tokyo story jean dielman is actually four in the director's poll the Godfather, Citizen Kane, and 2001. Whew. Bangers. 2001. 2001. Is it in our list? It's a big one. Yes, it's in mine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This is my fourth. 2001. When are we covering 2001? Oh, that's a big day when we do. Maybe the last movie we ever do. <laughs> Hang it up. I mean, we got to start thinking about what episode 200 is going to be. We have to start we thinking gotta... about an exit strategy. <laughs> Aqua hire, acquire hire, <laughs> 70 mm. All right. Um, we should get into the movie, I think. It's time. Sean Dealman is my pick for 70s month. Um, and I felt like, you know, this movie popped up on Sight and Sound. I think it was like a 5,000% increase on watch list on Letterboxd. So if folks like to watch along with us, then maybe this now's a good time to kind of force people to check something new out if they want. All right, what's this movie? Jean Dillman is a widowed mother of a teenage son. She spends her time keeping her home, making her meals, and sleeping with men to make ends meet. Her routines begin to unravel over the course of four days until it culminates in a decisive deviation from routine. Jean Dillman, 23, Quad de Commerce, 1080, Brazil. Danny, had you ha- heard anything about this movie? 
before Sight and Sound or at all like in your movie watching history? Uh, no. I mean, when a publication that no one's ever heard of puts a movie that <laughs> no one's ever heard of at number one, um, I was never going to give it a second thought. Yeah. Full disclosure, I had never heard of Sight and Sound before. No, never. The release came out. In the Letterboxd Slack, everyone's like, oh my God, they need to just release this list. I, I think I might even said like, I'll be brave right now. I have no idea what the F you guys are talking no. about. Like, what is this list? No clue. I feel like everyone was losing their minds at this hit number one mm-hmm. on Sight and Sound. It was impressive to see Twitter implode too. Twitter lost it. Yeah. This podcast is for people who know what Sight and Sound is and those who don't know what Sight and Sound <laughs> <Right>. is. <laughs> we're, we're the cross section. We're the Venn diagram of those people. What about you, Proto? Uh, yes, of course I've heard of this movie, please. <laughs> As as an avid uh, letterbox peruser of lists and whatnot, yeah, I've definitely come across this movie. Oh. I mean, I think the I, I, I was the, the poster is very intriguing of her sitting at a table. I, it, it must have been like on a list of greatest movies of all time, and then like n- I think a movie like I never heard of with a poster like this. So I've clicked on it definitely a couple times, but. And you look at like, okay, 202 minutes. All right, maybe maybe Next Life will uh, check that one out. <laughs> it's got a great Criterion cover too. Yes, yes it does. I had only known about this movie because on the Letterbox show, maybe last year, Gemma and I interviewed Isabel Sandoval, uh, the director of Lingua Franca. And then she did an episode of that Andrew Garfield TV show. Mm-hmm. Oh, she did. I think she did the episode where he was in the car where he cried. I think that one. Um, and one of her four favorites was this movie. This was also probably the first time I'd ever heard of French New Wave, or like I have no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. So two of her movies were kind of like weirdly styled, and that was like, oh, French New Wave is like a thing. So. Everyone, just give us give us some space. If you know what French New Wave is, and you're you're rolling your eyes, please. This is how people learn. We're learning together. We're changing. We're experiencing new things. So I did watch it last year, and I think in my Letterbox review, I even said like I've never seen anything like this in my life. You know, I'm watching Steven Seagal directed video movies. People, okay. You go from Steven Seagal to this, you're gonna get whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) More than whiplash. (laughs) You're gonna die potentially. Uh, so Chantal Ackerman is the director of this movie. And in this segment, we'll go round table. Each host jots down three things that we want to try to bring up in conversation. And then we'll go through our honorable mentions and letterboxed ratings to close out the discussion. So let's start with Danny this week. Sure. I um, My number one thing is how impressive Chantal was at the, um, the stationary cameras in each room. Um, how it felt like there was just, I don't I don't know. I don't even really know how to explain it, how it just felt very, uh, somehow I was like in it. Like I felt like I was really into, um, what she was doing and my favorite bits that she would do would be, um, when a scene would end and uh, Jean would either leave the room, turn the lights off on a room, something in transition. We would linger there for maybe two or three extra seconds more. And it just felt like we were left with our thoughts on what just happened that scene. 
before we move on to the next scene of whatever task she's moved on to, whether it be a, a gentleman caller or taking her, like uh, cleaning her son's shoes, cooking. Like there was just, there were these like little bits of moments that gave us time to pause um, and just kind of catch up and think about what's happening, what's going to happen. Uh, and it and honestly, it gave us time to catch the things that ultimately lead her to losing herself. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a moment uh, I remember saying to Casey, we were watching, oh my gosh, she missed a button in her dress or, or like when she's peeling the potatoes and it's a little bit slower, she just stares at it for a second. It's like, you can catch these little things because you've, you've sat with this woman in her routine for so long and it's just, it's, it's impressive. It's nothing like I've ever seen before. Right. We should, we should tell people if you're listening and haven't watched it, like there's shots that last like five or 10 minutes. So she's making dinner. She's cleaning shoes. That's what you're looking at for extended periods of time with no dialogue. Mia, my co-host on weekend watch list, there was a screening in December that she went to with, you know, presumably a bunch of movie nerds. Um, and she left this review that was cracking me up. Um, Chantel forces you to memorize and empathize with this woman's routine. Long static wide shots of Jean polishing shoes and washing dishes and brushing her hair last for several minutes with no cuts so that when she inevitably begins to subtly unravel, we take notice. So much so that when she accidentally drops a fork around hour two, the whole audience gasps. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so full disclosure for me, let's hear um, didn't finish it. I was up against a tight time, a window of time to watch this movie. Um, and I, uh, actually had to watch like the first three fourths of this while I was wrapping Christmas presents. Um, (laughs) so I was slightly uh, preoccupied. So I was trying to watch, you know, I couldn't watch scenes of a marriage from a marriage while doing it because you had to read the whole time. But I was like, Oh, this one, there's no reading. That's good. Um, so, but I think it kind of did break me out of it because it's weird in a movie that's three hours long that you need to be, uh, that's very slow and there's a lot of repeating scenes. Even my son came into the room and he was like, he, I think he asked multiple times if I paused the movie. (laughs) Um, so even though it's slow, it like demands your attention because you need to notice those little things that happen. And I, I did pick up on some of those things, but as I was reading the reviews, I could tell that like, I just, I didn't have the attention for this movie that it requires to get the full experience from it. Um, which is kind of, which is a shame. I, I wish I was able at the time to give it like everything that it required. Um, so um, I think, I don't know. I, like know. That, that, that's that was my experience. So, like, not having that full, the full attention on it, it didn't allow me to kind of be, I think, absorbed with what was going on. Yeah, there isn't another movie like you could say the same thing. Last week's scenes from Marriage demands your attention in that you have to read the subtitles. There's no, there's almost like no breaks for that three and a half hours. This one is a completely different experience in that like no one is saying anything on screen, but what's happening on screen almost demands your attention in a different way. 
like when after she has that dude come over the second day, I think it was the second day, and she gets the money and she puts it in the pot, but she doesn't put the lid back on. Yeah. And then that was like another tell that like slowly things are starting to change a little bit. Like the one that Amanda noticed or the one maybe that I pointed out was when she went to get coffee and someone was in her seat. And then I was yeah. like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. It's like all. <laughs> Did Amanda watch the whole thing? <clears throat> yeah, maybe that'll lead into, was that your first point or was that a general comment, Proto? I guess that was my, I'll take it. I'll take it as my first point. Okay. Yeah, my, I guess my first point would be like, so I put this on, I think I put this on almost like right after Scenes from Marriage. Oh Lord. But- <laughs> I can't remember the order of events, but I don't think Amanda would No, Amanda was not with me when I watched scenes from marriage. So this one came on and like literally five minutes, she's like, what is, what are you watching? What is this? (laughs) (laughs) I was like trying to tell her like, well, it only gets worse from here. (laughs) Um, So she like, she didn't really get it at first. Like, and obviously she's, she's like crocheting while this is happening. So most of the stuff we watch, she's crocheting kind of in the background. Right off the bat, she, I had to like explain her. I was like, as soon as I like out loud, try to explain what French New Wave was, I was like, push, putting putting my glasses up. I was like, wow, uh, they make these weird movies that are different than your normal movie. Um, So by the end, I was kind of like pointing out when some of that stuff would happen, like the button stuff or the, where she, like the fork drop. And then I th- I think either she or I said, I, she might've been her or me. I can't remember. It was like, I put this quote, does she have the worst life ever? Mm. And then like when you ask, Oof. when you're watching this movie and you ask that question out loud, you're almost like, now you're getting it. You're almost like the movie forces you to like think about this way of life for so many people and in your, maybe your own life really. Or the people around you that have like this way of life, this way of going day to day through menial tasks and what that impact on them is. You know, there's a, obviously a huge feminist curve to this movie and was at the time that this came out. But by the end, Amanda was like, I, I think I, I put in my one of my reviews, she wanted to strangle me. But really, like you could say she wanted to strangle me in different ways. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could say like, I'm the man uh, at a certain point, like any man, she would probably want to strangle really by the end of this mm. movie because so many women go through this, et cetera, et cetera. So by the end of the movie, she, she, I think she enjoyed the experience. Uh, Danny, what's your number two? Number two, I want to talk about the ending real quick. Mm. And I mean, we talked about how she slowly loses it. I forget why we paused it at one point and Casey went and did something and she texted me like she was really liking this film. And I was like, I wrote back, I was like, I need murder. <laughs> like, I was like, I want, I wanted to kill so. Like, I really wanted murder in this film. There was something mm-hmm. about it that felt it. And so when she actually kills the guy at the end with the scissors, after that, the hard to watch sex scene with the two of them, I don't right. even, I don't even know if you can call that sex. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that was that was happening in that bed. Whoopee. <laughs> but I was I was shocked. Like my eyes were like wide open when she stabs him in the neck with the scissors. And then she just sits in quiet with blood on her. And it kind of how the like that's it's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. And I was in shock that this is how this movie ended. I really did not expect. 
Actually, I had no idea how this movie was going to end. I really didn't. Right. But uh, her killing one of her patrons was not what I was expecting. I don't know about you guys. No, I, I think the first time I watched it, I probably was waiting. I was like, because you could almost like call this like a documentary, really, in yeah. some respects. Like a really long cut documentary. And then you're like, well, what is the ending in this movie going to be? I don't think the first time I saw it, I was aware of like the little bits and pieces that happen, you know, that cause her to kind of go off track and change or like really just get over it. Or, um, so I think at the, I was probably more like proto in that first viewing when I watched it for the letterbox show. I just kind of missed all that. I glossed over it in that viewing. Mm. I kind of had the sense that she was going to kill him at the end, but I also, I guess, you know, not, not being fully engaged with this movie at the end. I'm just, I was kind of like, just like shrugged, like my hands up in the air, like, like what, like what's like, why, like what's going on? Like, is there, is there a good explanation or like a, a like a summary as to what, what this means? Cause I really just like have no idea. Like there's a viewing, like you know, I'm just kind of like lost as I'm like, you know, looking up from cutting paper and taping boxes to like see these, you know, random, seemingly random moments. And at the end she just kills this guy. I mean, you could, you could say all those random moments caused it i mean i think one of the themes is like at that stage of the expectations for a housewife or a woman to like do these tasks these menial tasks and just get used to it get over it but i mean when she does it every day day in and day out you start to see that it just sucks like you know why can't she go out and have a job or why is that expectation on her like her son that shit heel son of hers who never like says thank you to anything that she does um and then when certain cracks happen in her day-to-day she doesn't really have anything anything to fall back on she can't talk to her son about it she can't talk to her dead husband she can't i mean her one was that even her friend that dropped off the kid like even amanda was like she doesn't even talk to the woman who drops off the child she doesn't talk to anybody she has nobody Oh yeah, and then Amanda's like, "Who even drops off a baby without saying hello or goodbye?" <laughs> she was like furious at this woman. It's a giant baby too. Yeah. <laughs> I was nervous for that baby. I also thought that, something was going to happen to the baby the first time I watched it. <laughs> yeah, the way she was picking that baby up and trying to console it without, but like being completely devoid of like any human empathy while doing it was was scary. <laughs> Proto number two. Um, we've already gone through Proto's list. Uh, I have this line written down. Mom, I used to try to stop dad from thrusting inside of you. <laughs> and then the mom basically said, son, it's late. And walked out of the room. <laughs> I would love to read. I w- you know, actually what I meant to do, because I wasn't able to watch much of this movie, like be engaged with it. I wanted to go and read about it of just like breakdowns of it. Because it's clearly, there's like a lot here, but I'm just like, I don't, I didn't have, I don't have the tools like I didn't have the time. Yeah, this Dweebo son. Sorry if people like the son. I just thought it was a dweeb. Uh, the penis sword talk and him making up nightmares so that she would not have sex with the dad because he thought that, like his interpretation of sex was like him harm causing harm mm-hmm. to the mother. So he would make up nightmares to like take her out of the room at night. Oh my God, the matter of factness of that conversation oh my God. made me completely unsettled. Completely unsettled. He's also like 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm so confused at <laughs> how little he knows about sex at this point. <laughs> he has a he has a wind up watch. Did you notice that though? Oh, what was the watch? I didn't see. I it. didn't see what the watch was, but he wound it before bed. I mean, I definitely made a note. She has a she has like she tries to explain about like love being in love and. She just makes this like offhanded comment. It's just a detail and, and then goes to bed. Oh, the, you know what? A question I have is at the end, uh, like, I, when was it? I guess like after dinner, they would then go out and go on those walks. Yeah. Was there an the explanation? Uh, oh, is that what it was? It was just like a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. The one thing, when they were walking at night, was that the darkest alley in the I history of going? Who would ever go out at night and walk in that alley? <laughs> I'd say a damn you thing. would be dead, murdered. That was my TV. By some crook. Chantel, can we get some lighting in this alley? <laughs> <laughs> that was another hundred grand. She didn't have the funds for it. Um, there. My my other note, I think my number two would just be this type of filmmaking. And for anyone that watched this movie for the first time and was just kind of like WTF, thanks for joining us. Um, but Chantal also has another movie that I've seen, News From Home, which is, it's just almost just video footage of New York City while she was there while reading letters that her mother sent her back home in Brussels. And that is another just kind of, I want to say like bizarre format, but it's a, it's a, it's similar to this in that, I, wow, I've never watched a movie like that before where it's just still video, like video of New York city while she's reading these letters oh, and it's 85 minutes long. Um, I think someone had that as a, as a four fave as well. So she has a very varied filmography and I also just am so blown away by her making this movie at 25. What the French was I doing when I was 25? Like, I don't even want to know. It's a I good mean, question. Can you imagine having the wherewithal question. to make this movie and try to make a statement about, you know, a, a lonely, you know, housewife, I guess, so to speak, and your your perception of like gender roles in the seventies at twenty five. I mean, the amount of balls she had to do this, and and it's mm. still regarded as like one of the greatest movies ever made, regardless of sight and sounds poll. I'm just blown away by that. Yeah, when I read she was 25, I immediately was like, oh, this is probably something, maybe not on the level of the prostitution, but this may be something she watched her mother do, mm. or just the monotony of life. Like maybe she's experienced this on some level with her mother because it she's so young, but this is this feels like a story. I don't know, an older, not a 25-year-old is making this story is what I would assume. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a, there's a whole on Vimeo or however you want to say it, <clears throat> there's like an hour long documentary and it really is just whoever was someone on set filming them film this movie. And it was an all female crew, an absolute incredible thing to see. Uh, but they were just the tightness of this apartment that they were filming this in with so many people around like Ackerman sitting at the foot of the bed while she's staring in the mirror. Like she's a foot from her in this whole scene. It's like, wow. it's incredible to watch how they made this. It was just something that kind of blew my mind. Oh, I just, I, I love the, um, how the kitchen was shot. It was mostly shot from like two directions, like either facing the sink or facing the window out so you could see her sitting at the table. But then at the end of the movie, 
you saw it from the window, like going towards the door. Um, and even that was kind of shocking just to have like that different perspective in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you were so acquainted with the other view for so long. How about when she was peeling those potatoes? Oh, I, w- I was like yelling at my TV. <laughs> Scared that I thought she would cut her hand off. <laughs> yeah. Stressing uh, me out. I was like, how long does it take to peel a potato? <laughs> Danny, number three. I, the only thing I've else written down that we have talked about is the just the cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why there was the the whatever scene she was making a meatloaf. I oh, yeah. couldn't. It was incredible, but it, like my skin was also crawling. Like how many times <laughs> she needed the meat? Uh, it was just the, meat. the the sounds of that scene someone someone had said it was like an ASMR movie and it really is at some point when you can hear the slapping of the meat it was it was a lot to yeah. take but a lot of the cooking stuff was just it was just interesting to sit and watch that i was just i was really impressed yeah when she was preparing the veal i was like oh. sister you need another plate or something <laughs> a platter in this house <laughs> something bigger meat fondling I also another point I had written down was how like how not just very in the beginning when everything is done correctly the every time she leaves a room the light turns off the door closes when she half puts out the tablecloth because it's just her and her son now in the house she only does half the table um folding his his lawn his own pjs and folding them back up into the folding bed every night Mm -hmm. uh i just there was there was something about the day-to-day or the hour to hour of watching this that was mesmerizing i don't even think i do the same thing every night before bed let alone fold like i'll kick off some pants in the corner (laughs) of the room maybe i'll clean those up a week from now sorry john that's definitely me Uh Oh, I'm like the complete, I'm like a, I'm like a, a total creature of habit. I'll like do Me the too. same exact thing every single day. <clears throat> Not every day. I do have a routine at night, but yeah. Um, proto number three for Jean Dillon. Um, I guess just some of the random notes I had. I don't really have like a third point. Uh, I just kept thinking of Ed TV the whole time watching this, you know, just felt like very voyeuristic of like watching someone's life. You're just thinking of that Matthew McConaughey movie from back in the day. You guys remember that? I never Where saw he's, it. Oh, I it's think... like he's like he has like a TV station, and it's just like his someone follows him with a camera, and it's it's kind of like the Truman Show, but if the person was in on it, or his whole the life. Ron Howard movie. Uh huh. I think it came out the same year as Truman Show. It was like one of those double oh really double releases. I'm, I could be wrong, but Twin Woody Cinema. Harrelson ageless in that backdrop. <laughs> ageless. Oh my God. Looks incredible. Um, this is the Avenger Endgame of doing chores. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I wish I wish I really could have been more engaged with this because us too. It's um, uh, it's something else. You know, it's something different. Mm. Um, but, 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 so I did want to talk, I don't have a ton to say, like I talked about a little bit of, about French new wave. So in that episode with Isabel, she also chose Hiroshima Mon Amour, 
which I really loved. Set in Hiroshima at the end of World War II, the couple, lovers turned friends, recount over many hours previous romances and life experiences. The two intertwine their stories about the past with pondering the devastation wrought by the atomic bomb dropped in the city. Um, so that was a great movie. And I think I had watched Eight and a Half, which is a movie the Synonauts did, and that was a kind of weird formatted movie that I did not like at all. But... I don't know. It's I, I I want to investigate more of this style of filmmaking, movies that just are 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 structured outside the norm. But I can see why some people don't like they 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 watch one weirdly structured movie and they're like, I think I'm out. I'm gonna get mm. back to what I like watching, and that's good enough back for me. To Steven Seagal. <laughs> back to Seagal. <laughs> uh, Danny, closing thoughts, honorable mentions, and rating for this movie um no honorable mentions closing thoughts um i think when i finished watching this movie i was sitting at four stars uh but this is this files definitely under the more you sit with it kind of cinema and the more i read about it the more i read about chantelle and super bummed that she took her life at 65 like it's just there's just, it just really, I don't know. There's something about that that really bummed me out. And, um, but I really started to love this film, reading about the making of and how she got it made. And, uh, I think I'm at five stars for this. Whoa. Oh my God. And, uh, and I do think it's a masterpiece. Oh my God. Five stars. Stunned. Um, I'm not going to apologize again. <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, I um yeah, I'll have to rewatch this at some point. I'll give it three stars. Three stars from Proto on this watch. Listen, people can have different experiences, you know? You can have I, different experiences when you watch these movies. You can rate it I'm four gonna hate it the next time I watch it. You might rate it three stars the next time you watch it. Not gonna happen. It's gonna be a Christmas movie at the Haas household. <laughs> right after it's a wonderful life. Let's fire up this John. <laughs> <laughs> um hmm. my final thoughts uh the scene where she forgets her bag and she looks in that store window instead of like going home she goes back in that she just like goes in that store off kilter the button conversation she was trying to explain to like the seamstresses but the button oh my yeah. god i'm like scratching my forehead like i can't I can't deal with this conversation anymore. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, dark streets, someone in her chair. I think I'm at four stars for this movie. It's worth experiencing. And that's the main reason I wanted to choose this movie was to try to have people watch this and, and see something different for the first time. Like, not that you don't experience different movies, but this is very different than the norm. I mean, we just did three friggin' Jim's James Cameron movies. You know, yeah. we did two Avatars and Titanic, and we followed it up with with scenes from Marriage and this. Um, so I hope people enjoyed watching along with us and and felt something different than than maybe they have in the past. All right, we have a letter I think to get to. You can shoot us a letter at seventy mmpod at gmail dot com. John Dealman email. John Dealman. Did anyone make that joke yet? Oh, Kev just said. John Dealman. I might have to get... Let's move on. I might have to get South Lena to make a t-shirt for this. I need, I need you to not. 
John Dealman. Mm. Make it in like the Phillies font or the Flyers font or something. Can we move on? It works every time. <laughs> My God, it just writes itself. This comes from Robert. Hey, 70mm fam. My favorite thing about 70mm and what got me immediately hooked when I first found the show was the unique variety of films that you all covered. When I started doing my own dive into older films, yours was the only podcast I found that covered both Wings and Metropolis. And then, wait, is that Shrek and Monty Python in the same feed? (laughs) I love that you all make it a point to shine light on different voices in film that haven't always gotten the shine they deserve. My favorite new discovery, thanks to 70MM so far, is His House, a five-banger that I never would have watched without you guys. I can't wax poetic like others, including some fellow VHS villagers have about the incredible filmmaking on display in Jean Dielman, but I just love the fact that she was able to make something so rebellious in its dedication to simplicity and domesticity. So many women were intentionally excluded from writing and directing for decades, and with this feminist masterpiece of a movie, Mm. Ackerman showed exactly what the male studio executives were afraid of, being different, (sighs) challenging, and ending with a small explosion of all the pent-up frustration towards those in power. It was a quiet revolution of a film, and that's why I'm so pleased that it topped the sight and sound list. Thank you for all your wonderful conversations, mind-blowing artwork, and the best Discord community in the world. <laughs> Goodness. Comes from Robert. My God, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Robert. Incredible My stuff. God. What a letter. What a letter. Did you drop the artwork yet? I did. Oh, my God. I mean... Mario, drop this.png meme, please. (laughs) Please. Um, I think we we all agree. So like talking about Robert, about how we have the variety. I love that we have that variety. We don't do the same thing in all these episodes. And we kind of know when we've done two like many like mainstream hits. And we have like a sizable audience. So I personally feel like we have a responsibility to mm. shed light on those voices that otherwise people might not watch. You know, you get you get roped into the same thing over and over again. Let's change it up. I mean, we may be three white men. We have three different voices. <laughs> right. We're three white men. We're trying our best here. The <laughs> man is so holding us do. down everywhere we go. No, I'm just kidding. That's fake. That's fake. I don't believe that. Please. <laughs> Uh oh my god! You know what I just remembered? What we're getting Proto's pick for next oh. week? Oh. 70s month, mama mia! The grit, the grime. This Proto has said this is the best decade in human history. He did. I did say that. So your turn is next week. My turn's next week. Uh, you know, I went back and forth. I feel like I'm going back and forth a little bit even mm-hmm. right now. I will say a movie that I was looking at, it's not my pick, but I almost turned it into a, uh, this month into a, a Liv Ullman month. Oh. <laughs> There's a movie called uh, The Immigrants mm-hmm. from 1971, but it's not, uh, it's like not streaming anywhere and it's like really, really hard to get a hold of. So I didn't want to pick that because I just didn't think anybody would want to wa- be able to watch it. But it's actually, a, I think it's like a two-parter. I think um, she was nominated for Best Actress in that. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. As Ma- Max von Sydow as well. Um, so I have it on my watch list. Some someday I'll watch it. Um, 
Yeah, this was hard. There was a few big heavy hitters to pick from, but I, you know, I love watching new movies, things we haven't mm-hmm. seen before. Um, so I haven't seen this movie. It's from 1975. Some call this the most beautiful picture ever made. Oh, I, I've read that. Oh, uh, Avatar two. Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. Oh, man. Was this our first cube? No, we did the shiner. The shiner. (laughs) (laughs) That was like six years ago. Sorry. I also thought it's good to keep, you know, we've done, now we've done five movies that are three hours long. Let's just keep the train going. Is it three hours long? It's another three hour movie. (laughs) Oh my God. Barry oh, man. I'm excited. I've been wanting to watch this for a while. I think. I thought you watched it. No, Ian from the Cinenauts, former producer, now disgraced, loves this film, I believe. Really? Yeah. Uh, and he championed it uh, a bit. And so I've wanted to watch it. Um, so I'm very excited. Oh, I, I thought you I, watched this was it. Al- this, was almost, this was on my shortlist, Proto, for this month, too. So you kidding me? Very excited. Uh, no, and- I've never seen it. An Irish rogue uses his cunning and wit to work his way up the social classes of 18th century England, transforming himself from the humble Redmond Barry into the noble Barry Linden. Ryan oh, I'm excited. My God, starring in a Kubrick movie. What a weird sentence. Never seen this. Brandon, who uh, posted a dead Kermit gif, five stars. <laughs> Oof. Two log jobs, flawless in February 2021. Oh my gosh. And then five stars again, May 2022. Holy cow. Let me see if V'ger can pull up some data here. We need some data I'm gonna, on this. I'm going to kick V'ger, the supercomputer who loves movies that, that Proto built. Wake it up. And I'm going to punch in Barry Lyndon, and it's going to tell me what our supporters think of this movie using the power of computers. And technology. Uh, at, oh my God. Average rating for Barry Lyndon, 4.21. Good God. Mm. It's a 4.3 on Letterboxd. Every frame is a painting, Goody says. I'm excited. I'm very excited, actually. Ian, our former producer, who we've mentioned is disgraced. We had to part ways early in the show's history. Yeah. Started 2021 with a heater, all caps, four and a half stars. <laughs> Classic Ian review. It's the most Ian review ever. I'm surprised he didn't say, you know, 10 out of 10, 4.5 stars. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Ian, who those might remember from the Stranger Things season four episode. I love how V'ger like cuts off after the first like <clears throat> sort of sentence. So you get like half thoughts. Chris left a review on V'ger. Watched a Criterion Blu-ray. <laughs> Blake, sweet Brian, why? <laughs> Lucas, this was something. Robert, oh my goodness. Are you guys what ready for this? What do you say? Robert, is this the same Robert who left us that beautiful oh, no. letter? Two stars. One of the most boring movies I've ever seen. Oh my god! What? It's got to lower expectations. Robert with a a total one eighty. Stopped god. around the two hour mark because I couldn't bear one more hour. 
He probably had Christmas wrapping to do. <laughs> Christmas Eve wrapping gifts. Passed <sighs> out. All right, this is streaming on HBO Max for all our Max yes. Maxies <clears throat> out there. I might have to grab the Criterion though. You know? Is this happening? Got a disc? Is the Criterion a Blu-ray? Yeah. Oh, it's a great, great poster. Number 86 mm. on the top 250. Incredible. Okay. Great pick. Very excited. Coob's back after The Shining, which I, if everyone remembers, I gave three and a half stars. You did not have to remind us. Just if anyone was <laughs> forgetting the infamous Shining episode, go back and listen to it. Idiot. <laughs> Pardo, any closing thoughts this week? Before uh, we go into Barry Lyndon. I love what you said, Slim. You know, we got to open yourself up to different types of movies. And uh, we did that this week with Jean Dillman. Jean Dillman. Um, uh, so I'm glad that we can do that for the people and uh, continue to do that until we finish the show with 2001 in mm. a few years. <laughs> God. We'll see everybody next week. Barry Lyndon, 70s month. Millimeter is a tape deck production featuring original artwork provided by Danny Haas. Spiritual Guidance and V'ger, the robot who loves movies, provided by Pertalexis. Producer at large, Dale underscore A. Transcripts provided by Sophie Shin and music composed by Cinematric. Prints and other merch are available on 70mmpod.com. This episode was mixed, edited, and produced by me. Slim. Support our Patreon for access to our VHS Village Discord to talk movies with new friends, access to our exclusive episodes in the 70mm vault, discounts on merch, uncut episodes, and a physical membership card mailed to you. To check out other Tape Deck podcasts, find the link in the episode notes. And if you'd like to support our friends at Letterboxd and upgrade to pro or patron status, you can do so with a 20% off discount using the links on 70mmpod.com. Goodbye. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Ooh.